the understanding that you will get from having done some of this mm-hmm. will make a difference in you getting a job yeah. or auditioning correctly or doing something. It will make a difference if you don't take advantage of this time to learn those other elements. I don't doubt that for a second. Hey everybody, this is Cameron Aubel-Brannigan and you are listening to the Cameron AB Show. First of all, I hope everyone's staying happy, staying healthy, and doing everything that they can possibly do during this time. I know it's a strange world out there and I just hope you're all making the best of it. I got a chance to talk to Rich Hankels, who is an actor and model. We talked about dream roles and goals connecting with people and relationships in the industry, as well as Quarantine Island, a project that he is a part of with other actors and models in the Philadelphia area. So without further ado, here's my talk with Rich. What's going on, Rich? How are you? I'm well, as well as everybody else out there, I think. Um, yeah. you know, we're lucky in our world because we can spend this time to do research and, and uh, try to find ways to be creative and things like that. But I can certainly feel for everyone out there who's got a a, a nine-to-five job and, and, and kids at home and all those other things. God bless them all. God bless them all. But, uh, you know, we're making do with what we got. So why don't you tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do? Well, I, um, I'm a single father of two sons that are in their 20s. Uh, one's in college. The other teaches school in Brooklyn. And nice. um, I am uh, in the, the third leg of, of my professional life. Uh, the first leg was spent uh, – uh, 15 years as a TV sportscaster, which was a lot of fun. And then, uh, and then when the kids came along and I had to make some consistent money and so forth, I decided uh, I went to a family business, uh, a very large family business, and was there for almost 20 years. And then uh, uh, I started to realize the creative juices that were that were making me happy and fulfilling me when I was in TV news needed to be unleashed again. And um, I worked it out, and I did about three or four years of planning before I jumped off and decided to become an actor and a model. And um, right. I not looking back i'm looking Good. forward and, and loving every minute of it. you shouldn't look back you know um so what's that world like as a tv spokesperson spoke like analyst what's that kind of world like is, oh, is that a sportscaster yeah sportscaster yeah what, what, what's that like well i i can't tell you what it's like now because the industry has changed so much now. Uh, okay. I mean, I, uh, you know 20 years ago it was one thing and that's when i was doing it uh, actually it's 25 years ago now but uh, you know, back then it was, um, I mean, I was a, I was, a, you know, a cub reporter and a, and a weekend sports anchor and then a main sports anchor. Um, and it, I evolved, you know, you, you, you learn the inside and outside and you learn how to write. I mean, I was a journalist first and foremost, and okay. I had a great pride in uh, that history and my, my upbringing as a journalist uh, at Boston College and so forth. Um, and uh, it also gives me a really fresh perspective on journalism now as we see it, which uh, we might not want to go down this path, but there's no such thing as objective journalism anymore. It's, okay. it's horrendous what we're seeing out there. Yeah, there's a lot of bias. Yeah, so I was lucky. I, and I got creative. I mean, I did a lot of really creative things. I produced shows. I wrote shows. I had a camera on my shoulder most of the time. And uh, I put together a lot of things. I'm proud to say that I won an Emmy Award, got a number of other nominations and things like that. So I had a, I had a fun career. And you know what? I mean, I was going to ball games. And telling people what I thought about it. Yeah. How good is that? <laughs> and that's what all sorts of guys do all over the place. They, they go and they watch games and then they talk about it later with their buds. 
but that's you, right. Yeah. You made a career out of it. That that's amazing. So yeah. how how did that transition into acting and modeling? Well, it made some things easy. Uh, I've okay. always been comfortable in front of a camera. I mean, okay. I've never had an issue with being in front of a camera. So um, when I decided to get back into it, uh, there were elements uh, in commercial work and modeling works a little bit different, but commercial mm. work and film and so forth that I didn't need to get prompted on. I understood it. I understood the, right. the, uh, the importance and the sanctity of the set paying attention to other people, um, feeding other people as opposed to being um, insular and paying attention only to yourself. Right. You know, as an actor, uh, you're not only trying to portray a character, but you're trying to help other characters build themselves. So feeding them and, and, and giving them something to work from and with is really, really essential. Uh, I was lucky as a sportscaster, that's something you learned on set. You had a news anchor, you had a weather anchor, you, you had to be part of the team. And so I learned that and was able to put that to work right away. And um, I've been very fortunate. I mean, I ran into some good situations right out of the gate. Uh, and again, being comfortable on camera didn't hurt at all. And I'm sure that it, it, it also helped you because you were able to ad lib if something happened. Absolutely. Yeah. I've never um, had an issue with that. And it's made a huge difference in circumstances where even writers sometimes at commercial sets or uh, film sets will, will listen to something as it's being performed and go, that doesn't sound right. And they'll ask you, you know, what do you yeah. think? Is there another way to do it? Or they'll hear you not doing it the way they thought it would sound. And they say, is there a better way to say that? And then you do it and they go, Oh, that is better. That, that's what, that's what we want. I know. And, and you see that all the time, you know, you can put it all on paper. You can, you know, have as many casting directors and producers go through it and have a certain thought in mind. But until you get the actor in front of the camera doing exactly what's on the page, you don't know. Yeah. You know, a, lo a lot of times, you know, with, um, all the lights and the sound and the, all the equipment, it comes off differently. And because there's so many different people and too many cooks in the kitchen, if you will, um, that things do get skewed. And so a lot of times the actor's role is just to take the idea that's that, that, that they want to convey and to just project that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's no, it, it's no black and white. You have to really work in the gray sometimes, which. You know, there's a funny, uh, did you ever see the movie Hitch? with uh, Will Smith. Yes. <laughs> One of the funniest movies, funniest scenes in that movie was when he and Ava Mendez are at the Statue of Liberty uh -huh. and she's reading the scroll where her grandfather had signed it, right? Her great grandfather had signed it. Oh, fuck and Will Island. Smith is looking at her with this knowing look. He'd really pulled one off and, and the security guard is winking at him. And all of a sudden she screams and, and, and runs off. And Will Smith says, hmm, I just didn't see that going that way. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens on a set. So often with a, with a script or an anecdotal line or something that's, that's in there. And then the, the director and it can look at himself and, and the other people on the set and go, yeah, that's, that's just not how I saw it looking. So, yeah, yeah. it's kind of funny. What a great scene. It was just I know. Little, that, that, that was a great movie, too. I haven't seen that in forever. Oh, come on. You got time now. Oh, and now I got time. Now, I mean, this time is the prime time for me because I, I, I don't usually get a lot of hours in the day just to spend it on Netflix or YouTube and stuff like that to just sit and watch content. I'm usually analyzing and, you know, working on auditions and stuff like that. But, uh, no, I've been able to watch shows that, 
I've only heard of. And I, I got to say, you know, I have a new appreciation because a lot of people say, have you seen this show? Have you seen this movie? And I'm like, I don't, I didn't have the time. I heard it's great. I've seen mm-hmm. clips of it, but now I get to see the full uninterrupted thing. Um, well, yesterday was it? Yesterday was as gray and rainy as as, as a day we've ever seen, right? And right. I yeah. I went outside. I had to do some planting in the yard in the rain, and so I got it all done. And I came back in, and uh, I had texted myself a couple days earlier a, a movie that people had told me I need to watch, and so I sat down and and for two hours plus watched uh, three billboards in Ebbing, Missouri. Wow! And uh, great, great movie. And it didn't end any any way the way I expected it to end. So uh-huh. it was uh, really a great movie. But you're right. I mean, uh, I don't sit down and watch a whole lot of TV myself. I tend to be pretty active guy. So uh, when I do have the chance to do it, I, I need to sit down sometimes because that's our homework. That's the homework. And you also get to watch things in a different way, especially being an actor and a model. You, you, you get to see oh, that was an interesting choice. Or, oh, I bet you, like we said, that it, it didn't, that seemed really rehearsed or it seemed effortless or, you know, you, you get to see all the different levels of it. You know, I used to be a ballet dancer and a lot of people would ask me, you can't really watch the ballet as like a normal person, can you? And I said, I guess not because I see all the levels in it. I can see what the people are doing in front you know, in the backdrop, you know, behind the sets. Like I, I can see the whole machine working and uh, it, it's really interesting to watch. Um, you know, a lot of actors in particular, they ha- usually have like a, a goal or like a dream role or a situation that is ideal for them. Do you have that going out? Um, I, I, I kind of do, but it's a, little, it's a little bit different. I have a very defined type. And my brand is, um, I actually teach classes about branding and because I have a very clear and defined brand. Um, and so I'm trying to find roles that fit that brand. And uh, my big, my bigger and broader goal is uh, I, I want to be in a film um, that shows in at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, and I, I'm not just a bit part, I want a real significant role. So yeah. I go to the Cannes Film, Cannes Film Festival as a that's, participant. That's, that's great. That's, you know, uh, that's a goal. And um, the interesting thing about that for me is that um, uh, I, I see myself in, in very specific roles. So all I've got to do is find the right opportunities. And if I can pursue it and get the role and get the part, I just keep my fingers crossed that this thing all spins the way it's supposed to spin. You know, well, it's like, all you can do is do it right. Do it yeah. as well and do it as right as you possibly can and, and hope that it goes the way you want it to in the end. Yeah, I, I was talking with a friend at, and for, for another uh you know, conversation for the podcast. Um, he was talking about, you have to play to your strengths and you have to find things that only you can do. And so, you know, for example, he, he speaks uh, Cantonese and he got his break um, as um, the translator in the departed mm. because they needed somebody who could speak perfect English and perfect Cantonese and be like this bigger Asian person kind of like a bodyguard type look and you know only a handful of people could fill that 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 role Mm, and so um that that's a perfect thing so what did you do in order to because i i know that there are a lot of um 
uh, people listening who, who might be starting off their career or kind of dabbling into how do I get started? How do you figure out what your brand is? Well, it, this is going to sound really oversimplified, but it, it's, it's probably the key to, to finding your brand from the very, very start. So I ask, I'll ask you this question. Okay. What is the one role you can play a effort, effortlessly and B better than anyone else. The one role. Are you asking me tr- tr- truthfully? I'm asking you as, as an existing role or just a role. Now, what is the one role Cameron AB can play a effortlessly and B uh, better than anyone else. The one role. Um, You're overthinking it. Yeah, I am. It's one word. One word answer. A one word answer. Myself. Bam. Got it. So you're the only one who can play you effortlessly. And you're the only one who can play you convincingly. Yeah. And you, by the way, can build on you better than anyone else. So start with roles that are close to who you are. That will bring out the, the uniqueness of you in the first place. So I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. My brand, when, when, if I run into somebody in an elevator and they say, so, well, you know, tell me what, you know, what are you uh, like as an actor? What's your, what's your brand? I would say to them, well, I'm James Brolin meets Kevin Costner in Field of Dreams. I look like James Brolin. I've got the gray hair. I've got that uh, somewhat elderly statesman type look, but not overly old. And I, I'm a loving father of two sons. And uh, Kevin Costner in Field of Dreams, he was a, a passionate man who was torn because he had this crazy, crazy dream that he really needed to live out, but not at the expense of everything else that was important to him. Makes total sense. Makes you know, it's, it's working. It works for me. You know, um, and from that, I can do other things. The, the other one I use oftentimes is um, uh, Ted Danson meets Harrison Ford in Patriot Games. You know, I, uh, when my hair's parted in the middle, I got Ted Danson down pretty much without the beard, by the way. And uh, it's all right. The beard looks great. Well, I, I, I don't know how long it's going to last. I was on a Zoom call an hour ago and I kept touching my beard and they were saying, don't touch your face. Don't touch your face. I'm saying, I haven't been outside in three days. Yeah, it's fine. You're fine. <laughs> it's not in your house. <laughs> but I mean, you think about those roles. I mean, Harrison Ford was a, uh, a uh, you know, a, 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 a lob, not a lobbyist. He was a political guy, um, very, very c- concerned father, dedicated husband, loyal to the nth degree. Um, and, and I guess the best way to refer to him is a reluctant hero. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Kevin Costner, too, usually plays kind of the reluctant hero, right? Yeah. Um, those are the kinds of things that if you see yourself in a role and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I'm the actor that Kevin Costner is or the actor that Harrison yeah. Ford is, but You're those roles are the ones that they fit me easily. And uh, yeah, I got my work to do as an actor, but I'm not trying to be, um, I'm not trying to be uh, Gene Wilder in, in young Frankenstein. Right. I don't have to, yeah. I'm not going off the rails here. I'm staying near the rails. And if you stay near the rails while you develop your brand, you'll, you'll find it easier to be successful and you'll find it easier to get people to, to think that that's believable. And in the end, that's what you need. Because that's in the you, end, because in the end, you're still working towards who you are. So it is believable. Constantly, constantly. You know, it is who you are. It's just, it's an umbrella. 
and anything that falls underneath that umbrella you can work in Mm -hmm. it's kind of like um I, i forget who said this but you know for any character you have limitations, but you can go crazy within those limitations. Mm-hmm. Same thing. You are a human being with, with an infinite amount of emotions and expressions, and, but, but you're still this human. That's you're correct. still who you are. You're still rich. And we all, you know, there's an interesting word out there that uh, people forget about, um, uh, quirky. quirky. We all have little quirky elements. Yes. And the truth is, though, um, if, if you're having a, a five minute, 10 minute conversation with somebody for the first time, you might see one quirky thing come up, uh-huh. but you don't see 20. Yeah. You see one. Yeah. And, and the neat thing about human beings and, and human nature is the better you get to know people, mm. um, the more quirkiness arises and you become aware of it. And that's where the depth of a, of a, of a relationship can be or the depth of a person's personality can be or the depth of a character. And so as time goes on, you see those kinds of things. It's, you know, it's like Kramer. Think about Seinfeld, all those characters. I mean, they all had their little quirky things, but it ran for years because new things kept popping up. Right. But they were all within the dynamic of the original character. Exactly my fault. I mean, exactly my point. Um, I like to think I'm very quirky, but then again, I see myself every day mm-hmm. uh, and, but, but not everybody will see that as an, from an audience perspective, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So especially when you have something like a season, I mean, you know, multiple, multiple seasons, you, you, you get to find depth within that person and then you get to see them more and more whole, you know, yeah. I get it. I get it. I get it. So that's great. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about during this time is, you know, a lot of actors, they're not sure of what to do right now. A lot of them are kind of just sitting on their, on their butts, on their hands and, you know, talking about, Oh, I can't wait to, for everything to die down and get back. But you're actually creating content right now. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you talk a little bit about the quarantine project that you've been working on? Oh, that's, um, uh, so it's called Quarantine Island, and um, uh, you've already, I think, spoken to a, a friend of mine, Mike Provenzano. Yeah. So he and, and a young lady named Gabby Faye, who's incredibly funny. I mean, really, really funny. It, it, I think it's almost funny, funnier that her name is Gabby Faye because she's almost like a Tina Faye. Different spelling. Yeah. She's got this really uh, innate sense of comic, um, comic ability that we you wouldn't have known if you just you know met her. But so her uh, and Stacy Redfield is another person, and, and the four of us uh, were having some fun with something we'd done a, another piece with two other people uh, about three weeks ago when we came across this idea, and Mike and I started let it, ruminating a little bit about it, and and it it, came, it became Quarantine Island. So we've done our we just got off the phone to talking about uh, episode three, which we'll do this right. Wednesday and probably release it on Friday but uh, it's really neat because it's um, we're all doing improv Um, we've got some general outlines of where we want to go but it's all improv which means all of us get to work on our improv chops which every actor needs to work on all the time Uh, and we get to see the personalities and the humor that each of us bring to the table which is all very very different I mean uh, we don't have the same senses of humor so it comes up as it's almost it's uh, I know I was gonna say it's almost like a Saturday Night Live in the sense that all those 
those characters and all those people in Saturday Night Live have such very, very different ways of making you laugh. Yeah. Well, this in this case, we're the same. And again, I'm not saying we're Saturday Night Live funny. Okay? <laughs> all right, we agree with that. Right? Nobody um, can be Saturday Night Live. No, nobody. No, but, but I will say this. Um, uh, what what I haven't told you yet is that I'm one of twelve kids. And oh um, wow. Yeah. So my family is spread out in nine different states right now, and. So about a, about a month ago or six weeks ago, I proposed Zoom calls for my family. Yeah. Um, and so I've kind of, uh, with another couple of my sisters, we've kind of created this. Uh, every week we have a Zoom call and we get my dad on the line and he's, he's 96 years old and living in a, in a community in Utah. You know, that's where I'm from originally. Yeah. And um, anyway, net net, um, I, I've been hosting these Zoom calls and being involved in these Zoom calls and they're just hilarious. You know, so, uh, you know, because a most people don't understand Zoom etiquette, you know, they they don't realize that if there's 12 people on there and somebody's telling a funny story and seven people are laughing, nobody's hearing the story or anything. All they're hearing is laughter. Right. You know, and, uh, and these are all the things. So so the very first quarantine uh, thing that we did, we called it Actors Quarantine uh, with six of us, uh, was uh, was was created by my thought process with my family. And it ended up being very, very funny. It was uh, around, around about 15 minutes, which is pretty long. But when you have six people and it's nonstop and we could use it as a Zoom tutorial. Yeah. Uh, that's what got us going on Quarantine Island, ultimately. And uh, so I'm having fun with that. It's uh, but you, making creating content's really important for two reasons. One, you got your creative juices flowing. Mm -hmm. We need that and we need practice. We constantly need to practice what we're doing. It's, uh, you know, we're not on an assembly line here. You know, I mean, every, every widget is different now that comes off our assembly line. So it's, you got to keep doing it. The, the second thing that's really important is you learn the back end of this. You learn both sides of it. I mean, I'm editing these quarantine islands. And um, I, I'm an old editor from my TV days, so I have a really good concept of how these things go. But yeah. now we're using a different technology. We're using, you know, a, a screen with four heads on it or three or two, you know, and it varies a fair amount. And you have to have edit points. I right. mean, people, people follow things that, are, that visually make sense and connect. So as you're editing, you have to pay attention to that. Otherwise, in the YouTube age, People will look at something for two and a half minutes and then they'll lose interest. Why? Right. They're not sure why, but it might be because it was jumpy or they couldn't explain something, you know, and it's too much action or motion or they weren't comfortable either. absorbing it. Absolutely. So they, you know, so you lose them. So yeah. So anyway, I'm learning and, and relearning, you know, the importance of music and balancing out sound and, and all the other editing things that come into place. So it's been really fun. And uh, I think Mike would probably tell you the same thing. Yeah, I mean, he, he he told me a little bit about it, but but no, it's interesting. I think this time is going to really bring out uh, the creatives and everybody, and we're really going to find people learning how to edit, how to write copy, how to uh, create content on their own instead of having to rely on a group of people doing it separate from them. You know what I mean? I remember... Um, I produced a short film that I ultimately used um, a, a clip it in my uh, reel um, because I just needed some content. And it was the first time I actually saw the editing process, you know, the importance of sound and mixing and, you know, having something flow a certain way in order to convey an emotion. And I realized that there's so much more to it than just what's on set. 
you know, even this podcast, I had to learn how to, you know, edit and what the sound is and syncing the sound to the, the visual and, 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 you know, putting music on top of it. I mean, it, if anything, it's given me more of an appreciation for what everyone does. And you know what, you said something a minute ago that, yeah. that, uh, that I would argue with a little bit. You yeah, said that you, that people are, um, are embracing these opportunities to go out and, 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 and to learn how to write and to learn how to edit. And, hmm. and um, uh, I not everybody. I, I, okay, yeah. well, that's, and my point right. is this, and I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm, what I am saying is, is if you're out there um, and you're not, not doing that, something like this, mm-hmm. you, you, you're, you're going to miss it because in, in two months time, four months time, we don't know how long this is going to last. Um, the understanding that you will get from having done some of this mm-hmm. will make a difference in you getting a job yeah. or auditioning correctly or doing something. It will make a difference if you don't take advantage of this time to learn those other elements. I don't doubt that for a second. Exactly. And, and you know, I was talking with another friend. I think I even brought this up in another podcast, but this time before this all went down, there were a lot of creatives on the edge. Mm-hmm. In terms of, you know, financial stability, in terms of burnout, in terms of all these things that, um, that this quarantine kind of heightened for them. And, you know, really, this is kind of where leaders lead. And this is where doers do, you know, that's true. You either blossom in this opportunity, or you fold like a cheap chair. And what I am interested in seeing is the boom of content that comes from this. I'm interested to see all the new roles, all the new projects, all the things that were put on hold that, you know, are going to have to change now. And there's going to be a lot of people who, who don't want to change. Uh, well, yeah. And I think what's, what is interesting, um, and by the way, you use the word followers. Um, and I want to encourage anybody that's a follower. By the way, that's a great thing. Yeah. Being a follower is a great thing because there's people out there making content that are looking for people who can follow directions, who don't want to write but want to be given a script, uh, who don't want to edit but but want to be uh, you know in a screenplay of some kind. You know these are the things that really take advantage of whatever opportunity falls on your lap because right now the only way you, you do anything is if you reach out and you, you're talking to people. I mean I I take classes at the Actors Lab. And uh, it, as a result of that, I, I occasionally get a, a text from somebody or an email from somebody, hey, would you be interested in doing this? Yeah, by all means, I want to do this. And I want to do a lot of different things. So get your, get your tentacles out there. Because right now, no matter whether you're a leader, a follower, or a doer, there are opportunities. The one thing I do know is if you do nothing, you'll pay the price down the road. Yeah. Because you're understanding the industry, this is the time to build it. Yeah, this is the time to build and time to say yes. Because I, yeah. I, believe, I believe in the yes culture. You know, there are a lot of people who say no and they're on defense. But especially if you're a creative, you need to allow yourself to be open. And, you know, I hate using this word, but being vulnerable for the craft. I don't um, think you can be successful as an actor if you're not vulnerable. I, 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 I just don't like the connotation that comes with being vulnerable. A lot of people think of vulnerable as something that's weak. Something that's well, I agree. Yeah, and, and, and it's really a, a hidden strength that especially creatives have to allow themselves to be open to an emotion, an expression, an opportunity, 
um, because a lot of times you don't get those opportunities without being vulnerable and open. Yeah, I, well, the nice thing about vulnerability is it, it, uh, it's, it's like so many things become stronger after they've broken. Ah. You know, uh, because you build the muscle around them, you know, you, right. you find, um, uh, you know, I'll give you an acting example of that. Um, everyone who I've done anything with at the actor's lab and, and the guy who teaches there, uh, Brian, Brian Fox, they, they say the same thing over and over and over again to me, you know, um, you need to focus on your stillness because film and TV, the screen is much tighter. It's not like stage work. You, you don't need to be very demonstrative for it to come across. As long as you're thinking the thought, it will come across. Yeah. But you need to pay attention to that. And it's funny because they, uh, it, it's like breaking a Mustang, you know. Um, and in this case, it, you know, I really struggle with this whole concept. But uh, I'm vulnerable now. I'll take it. Just keep beating me over the head until I start doing it right. And what's going to end up being the case is uh, hopefully I will be a stronger actor as a result. And that's what vulnerability does. It allows you to build the muscle around the things that, that, that are healing so that you can be better in the end. Yeah. That's, and that's everything. That is everything in a nutshell about, especially being an actor. Now, during this time, um, are you doing any acting classes online? Are they doing oh, any yeah. of that? Yeah. yeah that's because, what the Actors Lab is. Okay, yeah. good. good. I didn't know. Shameless. Shameless plug for the Philly Actors Lab, but it's, uh, they're There's great no people. There's and no it's a community of actors, you know, mm -hmm. um, Cameron. That's, that's the important thing. It's a community of actors. So you have people, uh, you know, you get, you'll get a, an email from one saying, hey, I don't have a scene partner for Thursday. Would you like to work together? And, yeah. uh, you know, and you're like, yeah, absolutely. Because it might be somebody that you haven't worked with in the past. It might be a type that you haven't worked with in the past and right. it might stretch you in a way. And so I've done that. I'm also, I actually host a call every uh, Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday afternoon. I can't remember which it is now. It's I, the days blur together, but, uh, yeah. and it's, it's 10 or 15 people that um, took a course that I hosted uh, at Wickline casting in Philadelphia over the, I've, I've been teaching there for two, three years now. And um, so a bunch of the people that I've taught and get on this call and we really just talk about, different things each week. Um, this week, we're going to talk about something very specific, but it's, it's really fun because we all learn. And um, so, yeah, I'm doing as much as I can online and, and otherwise. Yeah. Good, good. I, I, I signed up for a class um, and I was able to get hooked up with a, uh, an acting studio um, um, in LA uh, that I would have another, uh, otherwise have been able to know about, until they went digital, until they started reaching out, and I was able to see it here on the East Coast. Um, and what you just said is really important, that now uh, casting directors are opening up and they're doing open calls with, yes. with, with the ability to self-tape. And I, I just did one for a, a casting agent in L.A. for mm -hmm. a very, very well-known show, and many, many people I know have done the exact same thing. But, you know, I took two weeks to look at my script, to really know it, to think about the character and let it come out so that my self tape represented me in, in a way that I was, I was proud of, you know, and th there's very unique times because this is an exposure we never would have gotten had this not come about. Right. And I'm interested in what the fallout is with all this, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see um, a lot of actors getting roles that they otherwise wouldn't have gotten just because of geography. Yeah. I mean, geography is part of it. And the other, the other thing too is though, is that, um, immediacy. I mean, in some of these circumstances, you're getting opportunities to 
to you get two weeks to put something together because they can't produce these shows now. So instead of them saying to you on a Tuesday, I, I need this self tape done by Thursday morning, which doesn't give you that much time and immediately sets in many cases, the sets in panic you know, in people's heads. Oh my God, how am I going to get it done? Who am I going to get to work on the scene with me? You know, all those kinds of things come in and they're very real concerns in a normal scenario, but this is far from normal. Now I had two weeks to look at the script, you know, kind of build the character in my head. Finally, when I sat down to self tape it yesterday with somebody, I felt really, really good, yeah. you know, and, and you put it out there and, and, it's going in front of people in Los Angeles that never would have seen you otherwise. Right. Now, how are you doing the self tape with somebody? Are you doing a zoom call with them as you're in front of your camera? Is that how you're doing it? Well, I've been pretty lucky because I, I went ahead and over the last, you know, three, four years, I've kind of built a nice little studio setup. Um, yeah. It's in my dining room. Um, and that's the reason why it's my dining room is funny. Um, I went to B&H uh, Video and Audio, which is down on uh, A Street in New York on 34th and 35th. Uh, and I went in there and I saw this Veripol system, you know, and I thought, oh, that looks like it'd be perfect. And I have it downstairs that I, I just thought, this is perfect. I can do this. I can put these backgrounds on. This will be an easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. So um, I did. I bought this stuff and it all shows up on a Thursday afternoon. I'm like, jazz, you know, so I go to put it up and uh, it's too big. It, the system is nine feet high and my ceilings in my basement are eight feet. Ugh. So I had all this equipment and it's like, Oh no. So I ended up putting it in my dining room and it's uh, you know, it's, it's this big thing. It's not really, it's not a major eyesore and I can take it down anytime I want, but I've got a setup and I've got a box light and I've got a really good camera. It's got a, it's got an onboard microphone. So that's, if, if there's a weakness to my system, it's my microphone, but it's not bad. So what I do is I set it up, uh, answer to your question. I set it up in my dining room and um, I have a big enough dining room to where I can get a wide shot, which oftentimes they ask for a full length shot. And since I'm shooting it myself, there's no tilting or panning. You know, the, mm -hmm. the, the cameras, it, it does remote control from my phone. Uh, but I can't move the camera up and down or tilt. Uh, there is technology that allows you to do that, by the way. But what I do is I set it up, and then I put an iPad behind the camera, so I have a sight line, and I do a FaceTime or a Skype with somebody. And um, I got a uh, my girlfriend is extremely good at it and very adept, and she critiques me all the time, which is really really important. You know, she's not in the industry, but she has really good insight, and uh, so she I'll got be, a lot of practice from you. Well, she does, and the other thing too, she's an old TV person, so she okay. she understands the need to connect to yeah. the, the the other person, and um, so when I'm doing a line, and she'll she'll actually finish, and, and she'll say things like, "Okay, okay now say that like you mean it." Or, or, by the way, who the hell am I that you're talking to me? And which is exactly what an acting coach will say. You know, who's this person you're dealing with? Because that changes your thoughts, change the way you deliver a line. Absolutely. And uh, so that's the way I do it. Uh, and you know, and it's great. All you do is press play, and you're you're rocking and rolling, and then you pull it down, you edit it, and a lot of editing involved. But uh, but that's how I do it. Yeah. Um. I I kind of I have a similar setup, only I don't have an extra camera. I use my phone. Yeah, uh, it, it can shoot 4K, um, and I also bought an external microphone for it, and I set up on a tripod, um, and I can actually do a lot of the editing through my phone. It's not the best, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but if somebody needs it overnight, I can send it to them. I think that's great. And you know, the phones now allow for so much, so many things, you know, I, it's not uncommon that I'll set up my camera and then use my phone for a teleprompter. Ah. A, a lot of the work I do is hosting and spokesperson work. So it's not uncommon for me to, to be given a, you know, a, a script and can you get this to me tomorrow? And I just load it into my phone, my teleprompter app and, and I can adjust the speed and I set it up just below the camera which is what most people do in a, in a uh-huh. casting situation anyway. Interesting. So, so I was about to ask if there was an app for that, but apparently there's an app that you can just. Oh yeah. Tell yeah, yeah. I tell you, I, let me, uh, I don't know if you'll be able to see it, but I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up. It's, it's very funny. Um, you know, without it, you got nothing. I mean, it, it's right. really, and you can't memorize everything. I mean, uh, at least I can't, you know, there are lots of people that can, but I certainly can't. Um, but I'll, uh, I mean, here's a, you know, it's funny. I'll just I'll I'll roll it, and you can kind of see how it how it goes. It it um it counts down for you. Oh, that's perfect. I like that. So, uh, and you know, you put that on a clip right below your thing, and you see it all. And now that speed's a lot slower than I would normally read, but uh, yeah. but you know, that's set up too, so you can do almost anything you want, and uh, it's really helped. It's helped a lot. So what kind of techniques are there for teleprompters? Because I see a lot of people and they kind of go like down and up, down and up, or look into the side. You know, how, um, how do you kind of use their peripherals in order to see that? I guess the best way to put it is you don't use peripherals. Um, you set it up as, as, as close to the camera as you can um, and right below the lens. Um, I mean, if you don't have a reflector, I mean, a lot of people get got have iPads with the mirrors. Um, but like if you're using a phone and an iPad and your, and your, your phone is recording and your iPad is your teleprompter, you, you need to use an easel or something to set it up just below the camera line and then, um, set it up far enough away from you. So for example, I would not do a teleprompter right from this distance. Cause if I did, you would always be able to tell that I'm seeing, I'm looking below the camera line. Okay. Yeah. But if this camera was across the room and I'm looking at it, you would never know. It's so incremental. You'd never know that I wasn't looking directly into the And that doesn't show up when you zoom in, right? So let's say if you want to do like more of a bust, would you be able to bring the, the camera further away and just zoom in? Would, that, would you still see a lot of that? No, you wouldn't because you, the, the, the tele- if you're zooming in from the camera, you wouldn't because the distance between you and the teleprompter is still the same. I mean, a lot, yeah. as as the wording is far enough away, to where the movement is this, um, it doesn't matter. I mean, sure. I, I always have people, uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to say that I'll get an email from somebody who says, wow, I only sent you that script yesterday. How'd you memorize it? They can't tell that I actually didn't memorize it. And I go, actually, I tell them the truth. I said, I didn't memorize it. I have a teleprompter set up. You know? Honesty is the best policy. You just have uh, good teleprompter skills. Well, I, uh, 15 years as a TV news guy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, uh, and, and the other thing, too, is I also did telethons. So for the Children's Miracle Network, uh, Labor Day Telethon and the Children's Miracle Network. So I learned how to do a lot of improv and, you know, impromptu kind of things. So, you know, these are good. Again, these are putting old skills to, to new use. Good. Now, I like to ask people two specific questions, and they're kind of vague. And we okay. did touch on some parts of it. Um, but the first one is, in the industry – 
what is one thing that you wish could be changed or tweaked? Like, is there one thing that you say, oh, I wish it, I wish that there was a better way to go about this or something that, you know, kind of grinds my gears. Is there one mm. thing that you wish that you could adjust to make it easier, not, not just for you, but for everyone in the system? Oh man, I got it. That's the easiest question I think I've ever been asked. And now mind you, I'm going to lay it out there that it's impossible. Right. It will never happen and it can never happen, but there's not an actor out there or a performer out there or an editor out there, or a photographer out there, or a cinematographer out there that wouldn't love feedback on everything we do. Yes. If, imagine if you do, if you got feedback from a casting director every time you did an audition. Why you didn't get a job. Right. Why you made the shortlist. Why you got a call back. Why you were put on hold. Uh, that is the that is the one thing the industry could never get there though ever there's just too many people and there's not enough time and i totally understand that which is the reason why as an actor you have to just do your best make really really good choices and then as every coach i've ever had has said throw it away when you walk out of the room throw it away that way you're not bothered but that's the one thing if i could change because that does grind your gears i mean i uh, in january I, I had to laugh i um I got first refusal on like six jobs, good paying jobs too, good commercials. And uh, I was put on first refusal for all of them. And uh, you know, it was like over a two, three period. I was like, I was thinking, wow, I'm going to have a great year here. Yeah. I didn't book a single one. Yeah. Didn't book a single one. Yep. And the victory was first refusals, yeah. but not knowing why uh, now I'll see why down the road when I see those commercials yeah. and I see the people they booked. Because then I'll know, oh, well, they were looking for somebody a little shorter. They're looking for somebody who had no hair or they were looking for, but they don't know that that's what they're looking for sometimes. So it's, you know, just being a first refusal is, is, is victory enough. But wouldn't you love to get feedback every time? Every time, every time. And, and a lot of times when you do see that, you know, I, either a commercial or a short film or a, a pilot that you were cast or hoping to get, you do see that come out and you go, oh, I couldn't compete with that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, or it's not my type. It's not my type. And, and I, I'm, case in point, I did an audition for something and I got a call back and a first refusal. And then when the show came out, my role was, was uh, the, the role I auditioned for was done by a female. Oh, well, there and you my, go. Oh, well, then that, that's all I needed to know. Yeah, yeah. So now pat yourself on the back even more uh -huh. because um, you, you did something to be memorable anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, mm -hmm. they still liked you, but they discovered something in the part by looking right. at someone else. Right. Or, or, or they like the relationship between the, 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 the star of the show and a female versus the star of the show and a male. They yeah, like, there was chemistry. There's some kind of chemistry. There's gotcha. Different. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and so there's so much that's out of your control. And I like to tell people to only control what you have control over, and that is your thoughts, your words, and your actions. That's the job of an actor. That's the job of an actor. Plain and simple. Yeah. And you know, thoughts are thoughts. You can't say enough about thoughts. Uh, yeah. I always uh, my my advice to anybody who asks, you know, well, how do you how do you memorize lines? And I go, you don't. I go, what do you mean? You don't. I go, you don't. They go, well, what do you do? And I go, 
you know it's a story <laughs> know the story so that if if your lines escape you you still know that the person you're talking to is has this relationship with you and this cataclysmic event just occurred and you just have to have a raw utter emotion associated with it yeah. and then you know the lines will come as long as you have the story and the, and the thoughts with them you know lines will come i love that so what is one thing in in this line of work that you love and you can't get anywhere else hard one i know well you know i gotta look off into space and think about that um i don't know what that the answer to that would be yeah. it's a very vague question well, no, it's a great question. Um, and, and actually, it's one that I'm sorry I don't have a better answer for. But uh, let, me, let me throw you this. Um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a pretty passionate guy, meaning um, I'm not worried about money. Uh, yeah, we all need money. Uh, you know, you got to have money to do, to do the things you want to do, to take mm -hmm. care of your family, to, you know, put a roof over your head. I mean, I, I get all that and, and I'm totally into it. Um, but I've never been money motivated. In other words, I've never said, I want to make my first million by this, this year, this age. I, I want to, you know, I want to, you know, make $2 million next year. I've never had that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm very much driven by the reactions and the interactions I have with people, plain and simple. I'm very, very people driven. And the thing that I have found incredibly rewarding in this industry and i guess i am going to answer your question is that um i have i have more deeper relationships with the people in this industry than i ever had when i was in corporate america mm. i mean i feel every single day every single set every single show uh, every single commercial then I'm meeting somebody of consequence who really, really cares. And I develop deep, deep relationships with these people, fun, uh, engaging relationships. Uh, I mean, Quarantine Island's a great example. I've known Stacy Redfield for three and a half years, met her on a shoot, and we just, we, we got to know each other, you know, and, and Mike Provenzano was, was part of my very first shoot. Now that was a print shoot, but we, we laugh because, you know, it put us on the cover of Field and Stream magazine, you know, yeah. and then, uh, and every single, sh every single person I run into, there, there's, there's something there. Now, some you just don't pay nearly as much attention, but, but I think that's probably what I get out of the industry that I don't get out of anything else, um, short of my family. My family and I, are, well, I'm very, very close to my family, but um, I guess in a way, this industry has given me another family, and that is probably what I love most. Wow. That's a great, great answer. Great answer to a good question. Took me a while to get there. I know, yeah. but you got there. You got there. Now, yeah. um, for, for anybody who's, who's watching, do you have any other nuggets of advice that we haven't touched yeah. I, I, I was hoping you're going to ask that question because, um, uh, uh, yeah, the, 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 this is the nugget of advice. Um, everyone you work with, you work for, and they work for you. So always know that you're delivering something to give them something to go from. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't end on the set that you're on. That's just the beginning. And here's my point. 
Uh, I told you about Mike Provenzano. Well, now Mike and I do all these, these, these jobs together. Stacy Redfield and I are being creative together. Gabby Faye and I are being creative together. I mean, I give you lists of people that I'm working with all the time. And what's neat about this is if you stay in touch with these people, and there's some you're going to be close with, there's some you're not going to be close with, but you're going to end up getting more opportunities from them. You're going to have people in New York that you uh, were on a set with, that you just hit it off with, that you don't talk to very often, but they get asked by a casting director or by a producer, hey, I'm looking for somebody who's this, this, and this. Do you know anybody? And they go, yeah, I know just the person. And they'll have your headshot. You'll, they'll send it forward. You'll get a job. And uh, I've got two incredible examples of that. Uh, so two and a half years ago, um, I'm in, I'm in uh, New York with my son and we'd gone to Madison Square Garden to watch the Big East Tournament. And then we went from there to the Barclays Center to watch the Atlantic Coast Conference ACC Tournament. Um, big basketball fans. And um, these are a really great opportunity for my son who was on a spring break from Syracuse. Mm. So we're walking into the Barclays Center and my phone rings and it's Mike Provenzano. And I, all right, what's this about? And so... Um, I, call, I pick it up and he goes, hey, um, I know you're busy, but I just got to throw something at you. Uh, here's a woman from L.A. She called me about something and I can't do it. So uh, you want to give her a call? And I go, yeah, can I call her tomorrow? He goes, no, they kind of need something right away. I said, okay, fine. So I turned to my son and said, hey, I'll call you back. I'll be there in one second. So I call this woman up and um, it's a L.A. number. And she tells me, well, we have this, this, uh, this show and, and we're thinking about doing this and you might be a good fit. Can you send me a headshot? And, da, da, da. and if we like it, can we set up a Zoom call? Not a Zoom call, but some call. Yeah. Uh, Skype probably it was then. And I said, sure. So I, uh, I'm on my phone, of course, we've all got our lives are on our phones. Yep. So I send her a headshot and I send a resume and, um, and, um, uh, within an hour, I get an email that says, Hey, we have a call scheduled at 10 o'clock the next morning. I don't know what the show is. I just know it's in LA and it's yeah. going to be a live uh, reality type thing. So net net from that move forward, I was on love connection yeah. and I dated, I went out with Ramona Singer, who is one of the real housewives of New York. Oh, get out of here. And they flew me to Pasadena and <laughs> we spent, I spent 36 hours in, in California. Uh, in that time, we landed, I went to the studio, I took some promotional shots. Uh, I, I had an eight hour date with Ramona Singer, which was just funner than all get out. And then the next morning I got up, took a cab or an Uber, I should say, to the CBS studios. We filmed it. Uh, Ramona and I hit it off. We had a great time. Andy Cohen was the host. I mean, it was surreal. And then I took an Uber back to the airport and flew home. I mean, yeah, it was all because, you know, Mike Provenzano and I had a, fr a friendship right? and he knew that something would fit for me. Well, you know, uh, for the record, Ramona and I, you know, I had dinner a few more times in New York, really a wonderful woman. And uh, we had some things in common, you know, she obviously is, uh, you know, the head, uh, she's the number one character really at Real Housewives of New York, you know, which is on Bravo. Uh, and I, I talked to her in a little over a year now, but, um, but she's a great person and what a great experience for me. And it all happened because I, I built the relationships, right? And I continue to do that. And now, I mean, I, I've been in, in, recently in a film that they came from a relationship and, uh, all of this stuff happens when you cultivate relationships and you give as much as you receive. That's the key. That's the key. Yeah. And you know, 
me not i mean i have not been in the the industry as long as you but i i'm definitely reaping those same benefits from connections somebody that you know i have been taking acting class with she was a director and she needed somebody for her commercial that she was shooting called mm. me right up didn't even have to audition or do anything no call right in um, same thing with a, a DP I know. Uh, he had a, a, a project that he gave me. Um, it, it, it's just like all these things, it's all about connections, all about who you are and who you know and um, how you work with people. And if you put the other guy first, you know, if you always think yep. of the other people first, um, that, that resonates. That resonates with casting directors, production companies. Um, I know, you know, a bunch of production companies that uh, I just, because I'm an old TV guy, I know the importance of their jobs. And, and mm -hmm. so I keep those relationships open. And, uh, and I oftentimes will get a phone call. Hey, Rich, um, we're doing a testimonial on this kind of product line. Do you know, I'm looking for a woman between the ages of 40 and 55. Uh, we don't want gray hair. Uh, if they're athletic, that would help. Sometimes you'll get a, you know, some other cultural, um, you know, mention or they'll mm -hmm. be looking for you know, some diversity or something. All this stuff, uh, you know, to be asked for that is really great because it means they, they rely on me and they, they trust my judgment, which means if there's an opportunity for somebody who looks like me, I got a pretty good chance. They got it. They got mm -hmm. it. And that's all boils down to, well, Rich, thank you so much for sitting down. Um, my pleasure. I, I, yeah. I hope I hope, I hope this quarantine serves you well with all your projects and uh, we come out this other, on the other side a whole lot better. Well, if we don't, we have, our own, we have ourselves to blame in some ways. But, uh, but God bless the first responders. Yes. Uh, everybody out there, the people in the grocery stores, the people at Lowe's, the people at the produce store, uh, everybody. The gas stations. Yeah. You know, those are the heroes. I mean, I really, and I don't say that as a, it's, it's just a, a throwaway line. I, I really believe it. And yeah. um, several family members of mine are in the medical profession, and God bless them. I, I, I can't bless. say how fortunate we are to have them out there. And they need a raise. They all need a raise. They all need School a raise. teachers too, buddy. School yeah. teachers oh, too. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, teachers, uh, first responders, nurses, doctors. Um, yeah, they're all pulling their – everyone's weight now. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah. we'll uh, – I think things will settle down and we'll have a chance to show some real gratitude down the line. Yeah. And, and I hope when all this is done we'll be able to, to sit down, have some coffee, and just talk shop. Yeah, well, more than that, let, you know, let, send me your your uh, your resume and your your headshots, and I'll do the same. And let's keep each other in the rolodex. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if people want to reach you, what's a good way for them to reach you? Uh, I would say email, um, rkhankles at gmail. Pretty simple. And uh, or my website, um, which is uh, www.richhankles.actor. R i c h h e n K-E-L-S dot actor. Great. All right, Rich. Well, thanks so much for sitting down and uh, I'll catch you on the next one. Thank you, Cameron. Take good care of yourself. Right, you Bye-bye. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you got any value from this, please share with a friend and make sure to subscribe so you can listen to every new episode. All right, have a great day.